How many times have you found yourself sitting where you're sitting, doing what you're doing, running where you're running, walking where you're walking, thinking, if only I could hear a really fantastic story about either someone I know or someone I've never heard of, but I wanna be inspired and I wanna hear great conversation and questions and I want to laugh and I wanna cry and I wanna feel something, but more than anything, I wanna connect and I wanna believe in the human spirit again because out there, not in my ears or face to face, I'm not feeling connected to humanity. Well then, you've come to the right place. This is Talk To Me and I am Liv Harrison and I cannot wait to introduce you to my friends, to my family, to people I love, to people I barely know. Here's the deal, I love people and all I want is for you to love them back. I started performing when I was a child. I was in plays at my elementary school, which I've talked about, and I started auditioning for things when I was in upper elementary school. When I moved to Houston, I got involved really heavily in my drama club at my junior high. And so junior high where I live is sixth, seventh and eighth grade. And it was called, I guess, was it called Drama Club? I, <laughs> it, what's really funny is that some of the closest friends I have today are from that time period in my life. And like we've stayed in touch. Some are actually very famous. And those who are in my inner circle, okay, let's be, oh, okay, fine. If you know me in real life, I've shared these names with you and you're so over it who they are and you're like, we know. One of them actually right now who is, she's very famous, is actually my life coach. So we get to talk quite often, which is fantastic. And to see her and other friends of mine, quote unquote, make it, right? Which they've like legit made it. Like we're talking Emmy nominated and like super uber famous kind of, make it. What's interesting is that there's a lot of people who didn't make it because we didn't continue on that path. One of my friends though, she kind of did. And in, God, what grade was it? Maybe ninth. It might've been freshman, sophomore year was early in high school. And she was a year behind me. So let's say I was a sophomore. She was a freshman. She was part of this whole drama club and she would do the speech debate tournaments. Like we did um, speech tournaments all the time in junior high together. And then in high school, she went on to do stage work and I cannot remember where she went to college. Most of my friends who really pursued acting went to Juilliard or Carnegie Mellon. I want to say she went to Carnegie, but I could, um, it doesn't really matter. Anyway, she did this amazing thing that I still don't quite understand what it was, but she entered into a contest that was in a teen magazine. What was the biggest teen magazine back in the day? It wasn't like Tiger Beat. Oh, it was like Cosmo for girls. Or I mean, like you know what I mean? Like it was like a legit magazine. It wasn't some tabloid teen magazine. And she entered this national contest and won. And it was 
a huge deal. You got to remember, this was the 90s, okay, when I was in high school. There was no social media. There was no texting, you know, cell phones. None of that was invented until I went away to college. You know, chat rooms were just starting when I went to college. And, oh my gosh. I mean, so for people to know something about you, you had to make it on a national level. Like if, if people were going to know something about you beyond your, you know, like hometown, here's what we're having, you know, like a rummage sale kind of situation, you had to really, really make it. And she did. It was a big deal at my high school. It was a big deal to her. It was a big deal nationally. I mean, she got recognized on a level that I had never seen. Of course, I bought the magazine, whatever it was. It was like, I mean, what was it? I should really figure that out. But it was like, like I said, it was like Cosmo Girl. Like it was like a legit publication. She got to go to New York. She got to, I mean, her prize package was insane. And I've thought about that whole situation and how excited we all were and, and, you know, and that kind of thing, what that would look like today. What would that look like today in 2020 when you can go viral and not even try, like, you know, without even like trying, like you could just all of a sudden be a household name or be on people's cell phones or, you know what I mean? Like, be passed around as a meme. Like you hear these stories about people and it's just, it's so interesting today how you can go from being known to not known or being not known to known. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being not known to known. (laughs) Because I've had several friends, which listen, I've got to sit back and look at my life choices and be like, what am I doing? Or really, what am I not doing? Because I have so many friends who have gone viral. Friends that have gone viral on TikTok, friends that have gone viral on just the plain old internet, like Facebook, YouTube, uh, that kind of a thing, Instagram. Like now I have sections of people who are famous and that's not hard. Like you just have to live in America, you know what I mean? Or Canada, I don't know. Live on the planet and you're gonna know somebody who's done something. My guest today beats them all. (laughs) She beats every single i see okay she's not as famous as some of my friends but she definitely is the most famous virally famous how about that can i say that which that's impressive at this point because in 2020 i mean come on what else do you have to do with your life all day but make viral videos she didn't she didn't post a viral video she wasn't trying to do anything it's like old school being a human, putting stuff out there, even though she is a little, she's Catholic famous. I mean, she's very well known in the Catholic realm, but she crossed the bridge from Catholic famous to everyday secular, everyone knows her name kind of famous. And what's so funny, I did not realize that. (laughs) Like I didn't because I knew her before this, you know what I mean? And I didn't realize what had happened in her life was such a big deal. What is really fantastic about this interview is I'm closing out my season, right? My first season as a podcaster. It's December. It's time to wind things down. I've got a new focus for 2021, what I want to do with this podcast, where I want it to go, what I want people to get out of it. 
creatively, you know, taking a step back. And I couldn't think of a better interview to end this season with than with Laura Finucci, who is my guest. She is quite possibly one of the most creative minds, if not the most creative mind I've ever come across, because she's legit creative. And I thought, you know, what a great, upbeat, positive way to close out the season. And it turned out to be, I mean, this interview is gold. Like, I am so excited. It came at the end. It was one of the last interviews I ever, you know, actually recorded. It is just solid. She is a treasure. And to listen to what happens in this few minutes of air, right? I mean, I hate to say this, but it is a transformative kind of conversation. And it really propels me into where I want to go with this entire podcast and with my career into the next year and kind of doing this fresh let's get going kind of a thing. Now, I do not want to completely spill the beans, but I am poking around an idea for a bonus episode. Just one more little kick before I peace out on 2020. (laughs) So look for that. Until then, okay, if I do it or not, until then, you are going to absolutely love this conversation with the one and only and the uber famous Laura Fanucci. Well, hello, Miss Laura. How are you? Hello. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I I heard um, that it is very cold where you are right now, which blows my mind because I live in Houston and we get about 24 hours of cold. <laughs> It is. I don't, every year I'm surprised. Like, why does the cold come this early? And my kids love the snow and I hate it. And Wait, you have snow? Yeah, so I'm in like the deep denial. Oh, it has already snowed. It didn't stick. But tomorrow we are supposed to get three to five inches. I'm sorry. Three to five inches of snow. Of snow. Like that should be here at Christmas. This is only, we're still yeah. in October, right? I don't know. It's 2020. I, it could I don't still know. be March. I don't know what month it is. Maybe it is Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, Laura. Yeah, How was your Christmas advent? <laughs> it was beautiful. It was the so good. Beauty. You, you didn't even know what happened. Ah, <laughs> uh, wow, snow. Okay. Yeah, no, you are the people that we both envy and think are wiser because, like the birds who leave, you too have gone to a place where people can live all year. <laughs> So one of my kids asked me the other day why we don't migrate, like why people don't migrate. And I had no good answer. I don't know. We now can build houses so we don't have to, but it seems like we probably should. There's a lot of people that do though, right? I mean, I feel like you have to be, I think there's an age. I think you're not allowed to do the Florida, you know, Northern snowbird thing unless you hit like, I don't, we'll make something up. 78. Like it's 78. Yeah. Then if you've made it, they're like, well, now you can leave. You don't have to do now with you this. Can go. Yeah, you- no, you cannot bring like, I could not bring my five kids. Like they would just, you can't do that. Like it's not built. Two people can live in a place. Like that's it. That would be fascinating though, to see if there is like actual families that do that. But I, I haven't heard of it. I only hear of older couples. Once the children no, are gone, yeah. then they leave. Well, I'm sorry that you're dealing with snow in October, but all I have to say to that is 2020. <laughs> it's just 2020 is the answer to everything. It's the answer so to I'm all. There with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, 
explains it all. Well, friend, I met you about a year ago. Which was yeah. fantastic. And I remember when our mutual friend, Laura, another Laura, not the one that I'm talking to currently. <laughs> not my split personality. Not- Laura A and Laura B. I've told her which one I was starting with and that will just switch to the other one when I give her the signal. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a different Laura. There's more than one. And I met you and you have like this incredible story and you're just about the cutest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, so fangirly and I didn't even know who you were. That's what I think is so great. But I, I was smitten. I was like, I just think she's the cat's pajamas. I just thought you are so sweet. That was so fun. I could have just stayed up on that stage and chatted with you all day. Like I kept forgetting there was an audience. Other people had stuff to do. Yeah, no, it was so fun. It was great. It was a treat. It was really good. But what's so great about this is, is that I've been wanting to to know you ever since then. And I haven't really had an excuse. (laughs) You know, this year has thrown some stuff at everybody. So like a lot of the stuff we all meant to do in the past 12 months. It just didn't happen. It's fine. It's happening now. It's yeah, fine. it's totally fine. It's happening now. Well, what's so, been so great to watch, Laura, is to see for those people who I'm sure are your unbelievable fans, which you've got many. I think it's really adorable. You have a really great like group of people that just cheer you on and believe in you. And I, I love that because you should be. You should be championed. Is that you're this incredible author. I think if I were to say... Hey, does anybody know you? Does anybody know what it is that you do? They'd be like, okay, listen. Listen, Linda. This lady (laughs) can write. Like, you are like, seriously, Laura, I interview a lot of people. There's a lot of writers out there, but friend, you are like, in case no one's told you, in case you need to write something down or you need a day job, (laughs) you should look into being a writer. You're welcome. You heard it here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Okay, my favorite... Um, response I ever had when somebody met me for the first time was like, I'm really short. I'm like five foot nothing. Someone was like, I thought you were going to be so much taller because of your writing. That's like profound. So my husband and I keep joking, like, I guess I write tall. (laughs) Like I write tall and I don't know. I just show up short. (laughs) I am the Abe Lincoln of writing. (laughs) I'm Akeem Olajuwon. Yeah, that I don't know how to tell people. Well, thank you. I do. I love writing. It's for sure my calling. Funny thing about needing a day job, like I quit mine this year in 2020 to write and speak full time. And then, and then there was a pandemic. So this is your fault. It's a, (laughs) (laughs) well, we solved that. We've solved so many things in this first five minutes. This is unbelievable. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. Oh my gosh. Is that Laura? Wait a second. You got to be kidding me. You quit yeah. your day job. What was it? What were you okay, doing? Okay. Here's the, so I worked for 11 years for this um, really cool ecumenical theological center up here at St. John's university in Minnesota. And we did all this work on calling and vocation. So like trying to get churches to support the callings of all the people in their congregation. Totally cool work. Loved it. But like, we have a bunch of kids now and I was pregnant with our fifth boy and I, this job was about to, okay, don't laugh, require a lot of travel in, (laughs) I can't even, I am laughing, require a lot of travel in like the next couple of years. And I just, I, I like was so, I cannot keep traveling with a 
a baby. I just need a little break from, it's so stressful when you have a little baby and you're like nursing, you know, pumping, you do all the stuff. I didn't, I was like, like that much travel just doesn't work with my family right now. Like one day again, I would love it, but not now. And I really needed work. Again, you're going to laugh that I could do entirely from home. Okay. You really might've started this think- whole thing. It really might've been your, I, I'm actually, it was a joke, but now I feel like I should call like the CIA. <laughs> I, I could get the FBI. On it the is so fun. And like, I tell you, okay. I worked on vocation and calling for 11 years. Like I'm your girl for discerning stuff. I discern this ad nauseum. I made my husband listen to my discernment forever. All my friends were like talking me through this. Should I really, can I really quit my job to write? Like, is this crazy? We have a bunch of kids who quits a good job. I love this job, but I feel called to write, blah, blah, blah. I decide I'm going to do it. And then like the world falls apart. I'm like, oh, no one's traveling for their job and everyone's working from home. So it didn't matter what job you had. You were going to do it this way. But why not totally change your career? <laughs> this seems really mature. And it seems very adulty. Well, <laughs> I thought it was. And now, you know, I feel like I've spent many months of this year like, what did I do? Why did I do it? But it's fine. I honestly, this is one of those, like, I just have to 100% trust that God is in this and is is somehow going to make good out of it because like it makes no sense on the surface and so i just keep thinking god you got a plan in this like you are working in this because right now i'm not really seeing that but i do trust that it's like the long arc of where this is going will make sense so are have you had any like crazy old girlfriend ex-girlfriend moments and like tried to flirt your way back into that job or you know what i mean like 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 dig around on their Instagram and leave comments and be like, miss you guys or like something like, no. And my, like my colleagues, there are amazing. And Frank, actually they did kind of like ask me, are you sure? Cause like you could still stay or we could figure out something else for you to do. And I was like, guys, I made this decision. I, I have to stick with it, even though I'm like a little wobbly, you know, cause I do think like, this is actually a really interesting, I, I do think that the safe is really seductive, you know? And I know those people and I know that work and like, you're kind of like, I'm in my groove, I'm in my world, I can do this. But like, I knew I had to take this leap and like there was this edge and God was like, you gotta, you gotta like, if you want this growing edge, like you gotta leap, you gotta do it. So I I feel like I left and I'm still in free fall. Like I, I thought it was just gonna, I thought it was gonna be like, now I have eight hours a day to write. Watch me get to do everything I wanna do. And instead it's like, watch me shove a little writing in the crevices of my life where my kids who are in school aren't always in school. And then we're homeschooling some of them. And then both my husband and I work from home. So it's bonkers. That's what every, I mean, so many people are here right now. It does make me feel less crazy knowing how many people are dealing with this but it is just nothing like I thought this year was gonna look yeah that's I I think that I think that should be a t-shirt that we all get at the end of this this was nothing that I thought was you know I I mean something we've got to we really should get like a gift bag I feel like instead of stimulus checks we should all get like a package from from the world I don't know who would give it the UN I (laughs) no agree like a couple (laughs) A couple of years ago, my husband and I had a really bad year and we decided at the end of it, actually, my brother sent us a pinata, like a 2016 pinata. And on New Year's Eve, we just beat it. Like we just all destroyed it. We got all the candy. And then we had, even though we live in Minnesota, we definitely had a New Year's bonfire 
and then burned what was left of the pinata. It was very like, it was kind of therapeutic. It was really funny though to just bash. So I think we all should get 2020 pinatas. I think this should be like a big cathartic collective, like, let's do this. Laura, let's just be I legit have goosebumps. This might be the most, you know what? Forget the writing. This, <laughs> this is genius. You now, I've, you're a president of the pandemic. <laughs> And everyone's getting a pinata and we're going to put the the Halloween candy that the children would have gotten at Halloween. Oh, that's such a good point, which is like, you know, we'll just kind of recycle that, upcycle it, whatever, which is good for the earth. This is brilliant. This is it. This is what we're all doing. I am really going to make this happen. I am. I'm going to like invite everybody to a pinata party for 2021 and I'm going to mail everyone I know a pinata. This is the most brilliant thing you've ever said. And then I like the fire. We're doing it. It's It's a dumpster fire anyway. (laughs) Throw the there you go. I've I've peaked hit now, it, so and then burn it. <laughs> well, and everything you kind of kicked off this pandemic. I gotta say because you wrote something that went. Did it technically go viral? And here's a here's a real question. This is why I really brought you on. I want you to yeah. teach me how does one know if something is legit viral? Is there actually? You know what I mean? That's a great question. Thank you. Because I because <laughs> people would sometimes say, oh, I like wrote a thing and it went viral, and I think, yeah, I like saw that. That was really cool. I. When it went to bonkers level was when I was like, I guess this went viral. Like when the celebrities started, it was like Halle Berry, like like Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman what? are sharing this on their, yes, on their Instagram. Like friends would text me things like, um, do you know the president's daughter just retweeted this on Twitter? I'm like, I did not. I did not know that. <laughs> so yeah, that was crazy. And I guess, I don't know. I mean, the numbers game is such a game, you know, but when it got up to the, like, when 7 million people had seen it, I was like, that's more people that live in the state where I live. So I don't know what to do with this. Like, I think I'm just going to wander around my house and think that was really weird. I don't know what to do with my life now. Cause like <laughs> Keith Urban has my words on his Instagram page. That guy, you, like, how you're done. I don't even know. I mean, maybe get a pinata with Keith Urban's face. Cause I don't know how you're going to like do anything better than that. He could maybe write a song. Like we could have a song for the pinata. They could get a catchy, like Nashville country pop kind of, you know, we're done with 2020. Let's bash the pinata. That's brilliant. This is, and now we're going to have a telethon. This is amazing. This just grew. I don't know what's happening. We're going to, Billy Crystal's going to emcee it. This is going to be so great. Yeah. And Kevin Hart. I don't know what's, it, this is very exciting. I'm excited for 2021, Laura. You've brought hope. It's going to be good. Thank you. You've saved us all. <laughs> okay. So wait a second. I got to get back to this thing because here's what's adorable yeah. about me. Seriously, this is probably my, my biggest charm. I legit know nothing. And people think, oh, that's really cute. You know, pat me on the head. Oh, that's, that's such an act. No, no, it's, it's real. It's very much legit real. Like I thought maybe like, I don't know, 15,000 people saw what you wrote and you just said 7 million. And that's way bigger than I had ever imagined. You have got to fill me in on this. When did you print this? Like print, what is this? 1912? (laughs) We don't have papers. That's ridiculous. When did you publish it? And yeah. okay, here's, yeah. here's me crazy. through what happened, I, Laura. I need to get like some popcorn and be the Michael yeah, Jackson here's meme. Here's the story. I need the story. Another part of this, <laughs> we should all just also get around and tell her, here's my crazy 2020 story. Because before I even quit my job, I had a baby who came prematurely. And so I was in the hospital for like three, I had preeclampsia. So I'd like, my, it was my health that was crazy. He actually was okay. I was in the hospital for like three weeks, in and out, crazy blood pressure. Yeah. 
nuts. No I've idea. never had this in any pregnancy. I know, just like nuts. So um, he came early. He was not supposed to be due until, oh, his due date was the Feast of the Annunciation. How sweet was that going to be? I was like, I'm going to have a baby on this great feast day because my babies come on time. He came five <laughs> weeks before that. So I, when lockdown happened here, and my kids, you know, left school forever. We had a three-week-old. So I had a three-week-old. And, like, the other four kids were suddenly never going to school anymore. And we had no more babysitter because, like, you couldn't have child care. You know, we had, like, a nanny in our house. No. So that was done. So I had, like, all the kids and a three-week-old and was in the process of leaving my job and a global pandemic. So... Needless to say, little bit of anxiety crept in there. Couldn't sleep a lot. Also had a newborn who was up like every 12 minutes. So one night I'm sitting there, I'm nursing the baby. I'm doing like the mindless scroll on the phone. And I was like, okay, I can only read so many news articles about how this pandemic is going to wipe us out in 10 minutes. I got to do something else. So I was like trying to pray through this. And I was like, maybe I should just try to write something out. I don't know. Maybe I should just post something. And I flip open like the notes app on my phone. And I, I'm not kidding you. Like this does not happen a lot as a writer. It happens once in a blue moon. Like those words just kind of arrived. Like I just wrote them down like that and was like, these are all the things that I never want to take for granted anymore when this craziness is over. Like all the little ordinary things, you know, like meeting a friend for coffee and like shaking a stranger's hand and like all these things. I just, and I, despite everything, I'm still like, I still believe in human goodness and hope. And I'm like, as awful as we are to each other, like I refuse to give up hope that we could be better on the other side and that grace could work through us, you know? So I just kind of dumped this all out and it just came, but I just closed the app and like put the baby down and didn't think anything about it. And then the next morning, when I picked up my phone, it was there again. And I thought, I don't know, should I post it? And I started doing that like imposter syndrome, like down, like it's not that good, but maybe somebody else needs to hear it. Bah, whatever. I'll just post it. So I like dumped the words into Canva, made it a little thing for Instagram, put it out there, like didn't pay any more attention. And then like at the end of the day, I went and check it and it's like, crazy views. Like it's getting shared everywhere, like tens of thousands. And I thought, this is nuts. I guess people wanted to hear, you know, like people needed this little word of hope, but it just like snowballed from there. Like then the next morning I get all these texts from my friends. I roll over, I look at my phone. They're like, your poem is on NPR right now. They are reading it on NPR. I'm like, what is going on? So it was really bizarre. And I, I mean, I do have to say, that it's been really strange to have, you know, like I did, I, so I quit my job to be a writer. And now I feel like, okay, God, at the same time that I don't know what I'm doing with my life, like you did give my words to all these people. Like, what do I do with that? I don't know. Cause it's not like I'm writing viral poems every day. It's not like that's happened since, <laughs> but it was just truly amazing. And I do, I mean, I feel like that was a gift. Like I said, those words just came. And I think sometimes that just happens. It's just kind of unbidden. And I just felt like, okay, I just got to be the channel for what needed to be spoken to people. You know, that's, that's unbelievable. I think, okay, let me ask you this. I'm just sitting here in awe. Cause I had no idea. 
That's what I think is so adorable about this. I had no clue. I thought, yes, we, you know, we all had a lot going on. You did not need to be paying attention to like my Instagram. I mean, I shared it. I thought it was great. I I mean, I was like, this is fantastic. But I didn't know you like solved world peace. I didn't know you did that, Laura. Like I had, I would have sent you a gift basket before this interview. I had no idea the magnitude of this poem. Okay. Oh my gosh. I have a thousand questions for you. First of all, let's get real. Like, what do you, how, how much is that pressure now that you've written something that you allow or, or, and what you're saying for what I'm hearing you, you allowed something to be written through you is really what it sounds like what happened. And I believe that a hundred percent, which yeah. I think is also such a gift in writing. I remember, you know, everyone who had a ninth grade writing teacher, you know, English teacher was like, just start writing words and it'll start flowing out. And there's a lot of truth to that. You could just write you know, over and over. Yeah. And then all of a sudden things actually start happening on the paper, you know? Um, yeah. so here you are, you, you allow these words to be written and shared with the world. What is the pressure like now? Because this was published, I'm guessing in March. Is that when yeah. it was released? Yeah. It was like March, like 16th or Oh, 17th that was right at the beginning. Man, girl, that's yeah, also timing. You hit time in that. There's a lot about timing. That was great. <laughs> yes. but it was, it's a beautiful poem. And here we are in October. So where are you at with that? Like as a person, how do you not fall into that every day of, you know, where are you, Laura? Yeah, no, it's really weird because here's the other thing is that over the past year when I made everyone in my life listen to my angsty discernment about leaving my job, I had this real sense of God calling me to write for a bigger audience than just Catholic women. Like a lot of the work I've done has been you know, like my books are mostly with Catholic publishers. I write a lot for Catholic women online. And that has been amazing, like so beautiful and so many fruits from that. But I had this like sense that God was like, I need you to do something else. And I was kind of like, oh, but I like kind of am learning how to do this. I don't want to learn to do a new thing. But I really had this sense of like, I needed to learn also how to write for a bigger audience. So then this thing happened. And the crazy thing is like, I mean, it sounds, if you're on Instagram and you, or, or social media and you like get a kick out of it, you like having followers, right? Because then there's more people, blah. So that's the game, okay? And you always think like, oh, if I just had more, like that would be even more fun, right? Except the weird thing that happened was every time I would open Instagram, I would see how many more tens of thousands of followers I had. And I was like, who are these people? Like, I used to write in these really vulnerable ways about like grief and motherhood and all this stuff. And like, can I share my heart? Like with, uh, who are these people from around the world? Like what walks of life? I don't know what they believe. They came here for a poem. That's not like they came here for some faith statement of mine. So it has been really weird. I'll be honest. And like, I still don't really know what to do with it. I feel like I, yeah, I'm like right in the middle of not knowing where I am or where I'm going. And yet knowing like, okay, <laughs> they didn't all run for the hills once I started writing my regular stuff again. So maybe it's okay. Like it wasn't like I posted like five, oh, here's some like vaguely theological stuff on motherhood. And they were all like, what? I don't even have kids. What is this stuff? I'm out of here. So I just am trying to trust like, okay, God, I don't know where this goes or like if this is the start to something, but okay, like, I'm just going to try to show up. But it is weird. It does make me weirdly want to, like, 
burn it all down sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, this is too, mm, I think I'm just going to like delete the account, go write in a cave. Cause all I really want to do is write. I don't even know how to share it anymore, which is weird. I always thought the opposite would happen. Like you'd go viral and you'd get big and then you'd be like confident and like everything would flow. And instead it's been kind of the opposite. <laughs> it seems scary. Actually. I, I say all yeah, the time, I'm not afraid. I'm not like afraid to fail. My issue is I'm afraid to, to succeed. And I, Oh, <laughs> that's a good word. Oh. It's true. I think success is way yeah. scarier than failure because let's be honest, everybody fails, right? We all fail. Yeah. We're all good at that. <laughs> I mean, like if you've been a human for more than 10 minutes, you've done that, yeah. you know, but success, that's something else that's really scary. And I feel like people don't actually talk about what happens after you succeed. Or once you actually get yeah. everything that you wanted. And it's something that I really like, I don't know, that I really just want to sit and try to figure out. Because I'm sure that's where I think the enemy really loves. I think he loves holding us back from oh, what the potential sure. is. Or, I mean, he know. I think he knows what, what you could be doing, you know, like where you could be going. Yeah. And so, yeah, you being successful it's hard. It's a lot. You're being vulnerable and also the pressure to perform over and over again. That's something that also people don't understand yeah. about creatives. You put something out there. You're only as relevant as the last thing you did. Yes. Yep. People move on. I know. You know? And I do think I tell people this all the time, like starting writers or, or like friends who are struggling with stuff. Like I do firmly believe the closer you get to doing good work, a stronger is up like within you or like from my faith perspective, it's like the closer you do to doing God's work, like the more the evil one is going to try. And I just think, man, all the stuff I have struggled with this year, I know that is a huge chunk of it, you know? Oh, to the point where I'm the weird one. Who's like, I'm serious. Satan, like get out and not today. My husband's like, what are you yelling in your office? I'm like, I'm not dealing with, I'm not playing here. You know, I can't imagine, but yeah. no, it is like, I don't know if you've ever watched, um, you know, Liz Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Yes. And she has another she book, She did this right? TED Talk. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. And she did this great TED Talk where she was talking about this. And she said, if I'm being honest, like, I have now already done the most successful thing I'll ever do. So, like, what do I do next? Like, it's never, I'm never going to hit that again, but I am a creative person. I want to keep writing. Like that's a really interesting dynamic. So I actually think about that a lot. Like it isn't just, it's not like a steady progression of like, you keep going and going and up. It's like someone like her hit this crazy bestseller. I mean like worldwide bazillion copies bestseller. And now it's like, what do you keep doing? What do you keep writing? You know? But if you're a creative person, I think you are just like made, well, all of us, I think are made to do this. So figuring out like how you live into that in these new chapters of life, the ones that we all go through is really interesting because it is not a steady progression and calling and vocation are all like, woo, all over the place, twisty turning paths, you know? No, it's so true. I think that's what's so interesting. One of the first people I interviewed when I started this podcast, uh, when the first gold Olympic medal for America for the Turin Olympics, 2006. And he had been a speed skater, a roller skater his whole life and switched to ice 
ended up in the Olympics. And then he's winning the first gold medal for the U.S. And you know what a big deal that is. You remember when, like, you're watching the Olympics yeah. with your family. And you're like, America's going to get our first gold for this, uh, right. you know, Olympic Games. And so that was my friend Chad. And here he is in Turin, oh. standing on the podium, about to get this gold medal that as an, you know, as an athlete. I don't listen, Laura. I don't know what athletes think. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm the farthest thing from an athlete. I hear you. But I imagine it's a moment they all want. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. it's something they have dreamed and worked for. And what he shares on that episode about what he was thinking at that moment, standing on the podium, is exactly what you're talking about. Like it is because I, I don't want to ruin it. It's his story to tell. Yeah. But it's so fascinating when you talk to people who get to success, who have success, whether A, they were going for it, they were working their whole lives. You know, obviously that was his goal, right? Was to get a gold yeah. Olympic medal. I, I feel like I'm saying this wrong. I'm like gold medal Olympic. No, I don't know the order. <laughs> this is how unathletic I am. <laughs> but here you are adorable breastfeeding in the middle of the night and Jesus comes to you via app, which I love how like, I mean, I know that you didn't actually see Jesus, but I love like in the Bible, there was like angels and, and, you know, I don't know, fire involved and doves. And we now get communication through apps on our phone. Right. Here's the notes app. (laughs) You're basically St. Faustina. It's the same. No. No, definitely not. That was a joke for all the Catholics. That was a a Catholic joke there. This isn't a Catholic podcast. So that was just for those poor listeners. So, (laughs) but, but you... I mean, that's what's really fascinating about your story is that the success came and it wasn't like you were like, okay, everybody, pandemic started, quit my job. I know what I'll do. I'll go viral. <laughs> that's my big plan. I'll just write some poems. I'm not even a poet. Like what? I No, no it's, it's ridiculous. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. I didn't even have time to like do stuff with it because I had all these kids at home and was <laughs> nursing all the time and like people are like, oh, are you going to do this, that interview? I'm like, if they can call me like- on a school break. I don't know. Like it was, yeah. But no, I, that was not my Olympic gold moment of here is what I have strived for. All those other world crises when I wrote those little poems, that was all preparation for right now. I'm going to mail you a medal. I feel like you uh, need some, a pinata and a medal. I'm going to, I'm going to mail you a pinata filled with medals. This is now uh, what you're getting from me because. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the 20. Everybody, everybody gets, gets that, that. actually. Everybody gets surviving 2020. I'm going to be Oprah. So, <laughs> but I mean, I, I I feel you, Laura, like, cause I'm sitting here thinking like, we're, here's what's so great about this pandemic. Everybody is having a sinking Titanic ship moment. We're all floating on the dinghy. Like we all, we moved over. We let Leo on the big door. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Kate Winslet could have moved yep. over. And allowed Leo to float for 10 minutes, Kate. I mean, get over yourself. Right? Right? Come on. Come on. Leo didn't have to die. If you don't know the ending of Titanic, that's your fault. This is 2020. Everyone should have seen it. So, you know, we're all on a different dinghy, but we're all in the same storm. But everybody's dinghy looks very, very different. And so it's really interesting that yours has this story with it and where you're having to navigate. So what did you do? What, what good came out of this besides you knowing that you're an incredible writer besides and, and you you nailing this podcast and you know getting out because why actually that's not even why I even asked you to be on this <laughs> I feel bad I feel like it should have been the reason but but it's all good. <laughs> what good came out of this Laura like what has happened 
Oh, that's a great question, man. And you know what? I feel like this year has been so relentless. Like I'm not sure that I've even given myself chances to sit back and think about that. I mean, I do think, yeah, there have been opportunities that came out of that, obviously professionally, like it does get you to a level where more publishers are paying attention, more people want you to come speak. Like, so I am grateful that, you know, I know a lot of people, a lot of creative people whose work had totally dried up in the pandemic and I have not had that. And that has been a gift, obviously, when it's like a total financial crisis all around us, right? So that's been good, obviously. But like, I, I do think on on a deeper level, it maybe was this confirmation of, okay, you, you didn't quit your job and then there were just crickets. Like you you need, there's a world that, there are people that want to hear your words, right? And And you have a drive to share them. So like there was that meeting of, you know, what I have to offer and what people are seeking. And so that has felt even in the midst of like the turmoil of, I don't know, how do you work at home and have a zillion kids and homeschool? My spouse is here. We have no childcare, blah. Like those are the circles that my mind spins in all day. But like underneath, there is a deeper current, I think, of you are doing what you are meant to do. And it isn't going to be easy. And it's not just going to like flow out. That was that was a gift for like one moment. But like if you're going to build a life around it, if this is going to be the next chapter of your life, like, yeah, it's, it is a confirmation, like a quiet confirmation underneath all that. Do you feel like from this, you are going to be able to build as a writer? Like, why does it have to be one time that it happens? Why did she only write, you know, the eat, pray, love? I I think about, um, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird? What is her name? Oh, Harper Lee. I think about Harper Lee because she only had the one book and I sit there and I think, I don't blame her. You write this really incredible novel, right? You write this incredible piece of work and then peace out, man. Like (laughs) why even it's vulnerable to put yourself out there. Like it's, 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 it's very exhausting to constantly create and to expose, like it's, it's a different type of work because it's part of you, you as a writer, especially you're giving something permanently and like you said, you now don't know who these people are. There is a little bit of a safety bubble in the Catholic world of, well, yes. we all believe maybe a baseline, you know, like we all at least yes. come at it from here. But for you to now give your quote unquote heart and soul really is what you're doing as a writer, in my opinion, as an artist, that's what you do Yeah, to people that you don't even know. That is exhausting. And, and there's a lot of energy around that and vulnerability and things like that. So I could see where it would be difficult to say, well, that was it. I'm going to go ahead and and I did my eat, pray, love moment. And that was, I'm, I'm done. Yep. But there's no limit to, I mean, look at Harry Potter. She wrote like 85 books. I don't know how many books are in that thing, know. you know, and there's movies and now right. she's a bajillionaire and probably owns a train. I don't know. That goes to a castle. <laughs> I just, probably. probably. We're just surmising We're just here, guessing. but it's likely. <laughs> so you can continue. And, and so my question for you is, you've decided to continue. It sounds like you've gotten some opportunities and, it, and you weren't like, well, no, everybody, that's it. I'm done. Shut your laptop. Yeah. You've decided to continue. So what had to quiet in your life with you personally for you to say yes to that, for you to say yes Ooh. and to hear God in that moment of, no, this is for you to, to move on, take this torch and continue. What had to quiet down? 
Mm, that's a great question. I mean, I think it's funny. I think a part of it is always like the quieting of the ego, you know, because to be able to do good creative work, you do have to be willing to go into the cave and just plain write for a while and not get your like dopamine hit off of Instagram posts. Like if you want to write books, which is what I want to do, it's slow work. It doesn't always go forward. It's a lot of back. It's fits and starts. And so I think, I think you have to like, I think I had to say no to wanting to control all of it and wanting it to all be like seamless and sparkly all at once. Like it's, it's going to take me pulling back a little bit and being willing to be quiet and do some more creative work before I can be like, here's my next book. Like that is not going to get written just in Instagram posts, you know, <laughs> you cannot just stitch those together and give people a book. Um, and I think it takes a lot of humility, just wrestling with like, I think a lot about multiple callings, you know, like I'm called to be married and I'm called to be a parent. And so to be able to like keep all of those going right now means that I am not able to do all the writing I want. And that is so hard when I think, but wait, like this is what God wanted, right? And me too. And here's an audience. And I got a lot of say because I'm always thinking about stuff. And yet, like, my kids need my help with school, and everyone still needs to eat all day, which is disappointing. Like, why we can't just do dinner a couple times a week? I don't know. And, like, hello, my spouse. I mean, we have to keep all this going. So I think I, think I have to say no to it just being what I want. Ah, which is, like, life and adulthood, you know? No, that sounds very but, adult. Yes. That sounds very yeah. mature. Well, let me tell you, it that it is like the prettied up podcast version of the mini fits I throw all day about it. No, it's like I didn't quit my job to make people grilled cheese. Blah, I did it to be a writer. Well, you know what? Turns out like the most people, important people in your life need grilled cheese. So get off your like high horse and feed people, which was supposed to really be the point of your life anyway, was to serve other people. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about like the humility uh, or is that the right way to say you're a writer, you know, words. I'm a speaker. I'm really good with them. (laughs) Not at all. I've gotten less jobs since I started this podcast. (laughs) Uh, As if they're listening. Okay. It's all jokes, everybody. It's just to make people laugh. That's all. It's to make Laura laugh. I just want to see her laugh. She's so cute when she's laughing on Zoom. So, so the real question is the humbling part about being women. And this actually kind of segues into the next part I wanted to go with you anyway, is that a lot of us end up being moms. A lot of us end up being wives. It's just kind of how the chips fall for, I would say, the majority of the people on the planet, if you're a girl on the planet, and you still have dreams and you still have hopes and you still have gifts and you still have talents. And it is a constant conversation. In case you don't know this, Laura, again, I am like teaching you so many things. <laughs> it's a constant conversation of how do you do that all? Are you allowed to do that? Should you yeah. even have dreams and hopes and desires and talent? Was that just so you can make a bad A grilled cheese sandwich and you're thinking way too out of the box? Like that was it. You should just really get good at folding. Like what? <laughs> These are the things that I know you sit around and talk about because I've seen what you've started on Instagram. You've started a little community. 
And I'm guessing, I am just assuming it comes from this space as a woman of living a vocation, of wanting to be holy, of wanting to be a good mother, of wanting to be a good spouse, yet honoring and understanding those desires put inside of you by God are good and with intention and with purpose. And so how do we do it all, Laura? Solve that $100 billion question for us today. Here we go. Here's the secret that every working mother on the planet has wanted. They're waiting. Here's yeah, my I, here's my Venmo. Because you you've started a community now. So I feel like I you do know did. the answer to that. Do women have talents and gifts and desires and dreams and hopes for a reason? And are they allowed to pursue them, Laura? Yes. Amen and yes. All right. It's been really fun. This is great. I'll see you later. Okay. Yes. I started this little... Instagram community called create in the chaos for this very reason, because as a mother of many children, a mother of any children, I'm sorry. I think any number of children expands to fill the time and space you have. If you have one, they take up your whole life. goldfish. If you have 10, they also take up your whole life. Yeah. They're like goldfish. Yeah. They just grow into whatever space. For sure. (laughs) They're always wanting to be fed. Um, yeah. How do you reconcile like, wanting to be a parent, wanting to care for this child and wanting to pursue your creative dreams. Also wanting to like pay your bills. I mean, so you can't just say like, I'm going to parent and then also be an artist, but like someone has to pay the water bill, you know? So I think for so many people who want to do creative work, like they have a job that's paying the bills and they have a family to take care of and they're trying to figure this out. So whenever I would read writing books, you know, as this like starry-eyed new writer, I would think to myself, do these people all have like very wealthy spouses or like a Scrooge McDuck money bin that they swim in? Because I don't understand how all these books tell me like the only way to be a writer is to have a ton of like time and space alone in the quiet. I'm like, but people have jobs and kids and like, if that's the only way you can be a writer, then that is just way too privileged for like 99.9% of people on the planet. And I just refuse to believe that narrative. So I think along the way, as a mom who always had a job outside the home and was raising kids and trying to write, I would kind of like grab onto any practical piece of writing advice that actually helped me. That wasn't just like, just get a summer fellowship and write a novel in eight weeks. Like that'd be great. And who would make those grilled cheese, you know? So I started like gathering these like approaches I tried that actually helped me get more writing done or like little life hacks that helped me figure out like I am not a naturally like I am not a natural homemaker. So the whole like how you do this was a big growing edge. So anything that helped me like make family life work a little more smoothly so I had time and space to do some creative work was so helpful. And I just really felt like in this pandemic Anything any of us can do to help each other is of the utmost importance. And and so I felt like this was one way that I could serve people. Like I actually have a whole manuscript that I had drafted on this book that's called Creating the Chaos. And it's all this. Like it's chapters of like really practical writing advice. And like I wanted to write a writing book for working parents. And I just decided to make the really stupid professional and financial decision to give away all of that material on Instagram. 
because I just felt like people need this now. If it becomes a book down the road, great. That's what it's meant to be. But like so many people are seriously struggling. And I don't just mean like, gosh, it's hard to find time to write. I mean like massive mental health struggles and financial pressure. And like, if you're a creative person who also finds life and joy out of creating and you can't do that now, like you literally feel like you're dying. So to be able to speak any little words of hope and just say like, here's a little writing idea every week, like on this little Create in the Chaos, we're going to have our little writing parents bubble and we're going to just try to support each other through this because I just think any way that humans can help each other be better humans right now is like, we just got to do it. So it's been really fun and really energizing. And I kind of wrote that manuscript like in the past thinking, I don't know what I'm ever going to do with this, but I just, I kind of want to write this for me. And now it turns out I didn't just write it for me, like, but I wrote it for other people in a different way than I envisioned. And that was really cool to see too. Oh, it's been so neat to see. And it's really, the timing is also really so fantastic. I think as everybody's sending pandemic fatigue, as we're about to, uh, yeah, apparently the winter is going to be like, I, I don't know, nuclear bombs are happening or something because they're like, the winter is coming. And I'm like, isn't that like a tagline for an HBO film? So I think that's like games of Thrones. I don't know. I'm not cool. So I think your timing is amazing. You should have, I Laura, you just hit things on the head. I, I have to ask you, like, this is kind of like my closing question, which is interesting because I would have thought I would have started here, but there we go. I got to know, did you always want to be a writer? Did you grow up as a little kid? You didn't want to be, I don't know what little girls wanted to be because what I wanted to be was so different than everybody else. I, I, I don't know, like a fashion designer. I don't know things. But did you go into school for writing? Were you always the kid that had great writing? Did you major in writing? I got to know, Laura, where did this, when did this happen? No, not at all. <laughs> I know this is, I love like, some people have these calling stories and this colleague of mine, Kathleen Cahalen, she writes in this book about how some people have this acorn that like, it's only going to grow into one thing. Like you want to be a writer, boom, you grow into a writer. Like that is not me. I, I, I kind of, like, I always liked writing and I loved reading. I was like a total bookworm, like loved reading all along. No, I thought I was going to be a French professor. I went to school and majored in French and art history. Wait, you majored? Can you speak French? <gasps> okay, now I hate you. Are you kidding me? You get to be viral and it's speak not like French. I'm doing anything Laura. with it. Laura, that is sensational. <laughs> Please tell me you can't make homemade croissants because then we're going to have to break up as friends. Oh, definitely okay, not. Then no, we have a then, saving moment. Then I would not be doing this. I would just be upstairs eating my croissants. <laughs> no, I loved the humanities. I loved, I was really lucky that my parents, um, they definitely always said to me, like, go after what you love. Like my dad was in business, but he always said, I can teach a humanities major, like what they need to know about business. Like it doesn't take that much. I can really teach someone, but like, you can't teach a business major how to think like a humanities person. So they really encouraged us to just like get a well-rounded education. And then like whatever the skills we needed for the jobs would follow, which isn't, I mean, I don't think most people think like that now. And frankly, I would like my children to pick very practical like if you're going to, if we're going to spend this money, if you're going to spend your money, then it's got to be practical. But they really felt like you, you follow that passion. Like you learn about the world. And I feel like the humanities did help me just fall in love with like 
the world and people and culture. And I didn't even study theology. And now all I do as a former French and art history major is like, like geek out on theology and write. And so it's like, but they all kind of led me there. I feel like French and art, like languages and culture, like led me to just this love of people and cultures which kind of like backed me into how'd they all get there? Oh, turns out it was God. Well, that's super interesting to muddle about. And then I, I only started writing as a new mom because I was so overwhelmed by new motherhood. And that was back when blogs were cool. Remember those? Yeah, I've heard of them. Crank it back in the time machine in the DeLorean and there were blogs. <laughs> and I started one because I had just gone to like graduate school for theology and talked to adults for three years and then was home with a newborn. It was like, what just happened? So to make sense of just how hard new motherhood was for me, I just thought I'm going to write it out. So I started this blog and kind of like made it about these intersections of spirituality and parenting, like kind of looking at faith through the lens of motherhood, which like led to all these things. So I feel like I am not a person who had the straight shot. Like I always wanted to be a writer and I used to write my own books when I was little. I, I think it like it can happen in so many winding ways. And so in some ways I look at my life right now, like this is not what I expected. I thought I was, everybody in my life was like, great French, go be a professor. You should teach. And now I'm like, that was so not my calling. That's so fascinating. But here I am. And maybe I'm just one of those people that needed the winding path to get here. I think that's, I think that's really amazing. I think you're going to write a book in French and then you can just (laughs) go around the countryside eating all their butter and (laughs) it will be a children's book because that's what the level of my language is reduced to like la vache, the cow like that. I'm impressed. That sounded amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Laura, Merci. this has been such a fantastic chat. I can't even tell you how much I love it. I I, I forgot that you're going to be in snow and that you're freezing and <laughs> you're in the tundra, basically. And I think north of Houston, I'm like, how do people survive? But I would I, I would love for people to find you yes, for the for the last three Hollywood A-lists <laughs> that don't know who you are. I'll write them a note and I'll let them know. So how can they find you? Because apparently they were asleep that day on March 16th. So for those people taking a nap. They can go to Keith Urban's Instagram page. No, um, <laughs> I love, that, I love I that you were all about Keith Urban. I love that there were like 700 famous people. You're like, you guys, let me explain. Have you seen him? I just can actually, can I tell you why I thought that was so funny was because Keith Urban shared it. And then like half an hour later, Nicole Kidman did. And at that point, my husband and I were doing the same thing that we were like, all we could do was show each other funny tweets. And I was like, look, famous people, they do it too. Like one of them is upstairs in their mansion. The other's downstairs. And they're like, oh, look, I found that. I'm going to Nicole's landing in the helicopter on top of their house. And Keith is in the bowling alley inside their house. They're just like it's us. All, it's just bizarre. What a bizarre year. Okay. They can, people can find me, not Keith Urban, fortunately. Um, my website is laurakellyfinucci.com and I'm on Instagram at this messy grace or create in the chaos. Go follow both. And I'm on Facebook at Mothering Spirit. One great piece of writing advice they tell you is to make all of those handles consistent and to make them your name. As you can see, I do not always follow advice well. 
So feel free to join me under any of those names at any of those places. But hey, it's working out. So what do they know? They what don't have a pinata. What does anybody know? I don't know These anything. These people know nothing. No. Well, I will write all yeah. 72 ways that you are out on the internet. And I'll link your old blog. We'll just do all of it. Perfect. We could find some MySpace maybe. <laughs> and now you're going to open a shop with pinatas. So we started a Etsy for you. So, so much happened yes, in this episode. Yes. 2020 pinatas filled with Olympic medals that everyone is getting for making it through this I actually year. think we That's might what we have for actually you, now be millionaires. <laughs> this just, we just started a business together, everybody. This is an LLC. Just in. <laughs> Live in Laura. It. <laughs> it's, oh man, is that written in the stars? Yes, it's happening. It's on. <laughs> this is great. This was an absolute treat. This was a delight. You are a gift. Thank you. <laughs> oh, friend, this has been so much fun. I can't thank you enough. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to my friend, Laura. Now you know why I love her as much and why I fell in love with her for the first time. And now that I know her, I really like her. I mean, like, what's there not to love? So you guys, thank you, Laura. Thank you for joining me. Everybody, love you. We're praying for you. And remember, you are extraordinary. Thank you so much for tuning in to talk to me with Liv Harrison. I have had a complete blast meeting up with these people through the airwaves, bringing stories to life and getting into spaces that I didn't even know exist. And I couldn't do it without you. So truly thank you for listening. I really appreciate everyone who has subscribed. And if you haven't, I would love to invite you now because I don't want you to miss one of these stories. Please continue to share with your friends and family. That helps me more than you can understand on your social media, through email, text a friend. And if you could leave a review, I would really love it. That would be fantastic, especially if it's five stars. You guys, I am bringing more content to you. I want you to stay tuned. But remember, you are extraordinary. Bye. We're done. <laughs> Yay. Oh, my gosh. That was so fun. <laughs> that was fantastic. You are just a delight. <laughs>